Welcome to What Did You Hear Me Say? That's the first time we did that. I got to get an applause sign or something so y'all can do it on cue. Um, yeah, thank you. Welcome back to What Did You Hear Me Say? Uh, Friday, June 9th, 2023. Uh, since we have new couples here, I would just want to go around, give a brief, um, what's it called, introduction of yourselves, how long you've been together, how old you are, if you want to, it doesn't matter to me. Um, names, yeah, they can't forget the names. Yeah. Hi, I'm Chanel Jackson, um, part of the Jackson marriage, I guess. We've been married um, going on 14 years. Uh, I stopped aging 20 years ago. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm happy to be back. Joaquin Jackson, other half of the Jackson family. Um, 40 years old, we've married, yeah, 14 years, we're probably like, Together 20 years. yeah, first six years kind of blurry, yeah, <laughs> kind of blurry, um, but yeah, that's us. Kimberly Thomas, the better half of the Thomases, uh, <laughs> married for two years, together for five, and he is truly my Boaz. Uh, my name is Van, um, the other half, <laughs> of the better half of the Thomas. <laughs> uh, we've been together for what, five years, and it's been so amazing. Love waking up to this wonderful woman across to me, next to me. So, yes. <laughs> uh, my name is Taryn Carpenter. Uh, we've been married for what? Two months now. Almost. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but we've been together since 2019. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we are just newlyweds, enjoying the bliss, um, blended family, loving all, and that's that. Uh, my name is Jason Carpenter, uh, the other half of the Carpenter clan here. Um, like Terrence said, we've been together for four years, uh, married for two months now, and just enjoying the ride. Hello, everybody. I'm Morris Young. I'm 40 years old. Um, my wife and I, we've been married going on 20 years next year. Amen, amen. We've been together for over, what, 23 years? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Hello, I'm Teresa Young, and we are high school sweethearts. And we have four children together, and yes, we'll be celebrating 20 years next year. <laughs> Hello, this is Anthony Vick. Um, We've been married for four years and been together 15 years. I'm Raina, um, Anthony's wife. Uh, that's it. <laughs> hey, Raina. Hi. Um, Jelani, 
I'm not a Parker yet. I'm still a Smith. Yes. But um, oh. <laughs> uh, no, sir. Uh, 27, and we just celebrated our second year anniversary last yeah. month. So, yeah. I'm the better half, though. And we like to let her believe that. <laughs> I'm Justin. I've been with Jelani for two years. And really, I'm here to learn from your mistakes and your blessings. <laughs> so I thank you for being here for me. And I'm glad that she's here to witness me being right. <laughs> this is Dara. Of course, I'm the co-host of Deep Skydiving Podcast. A blessing to be here, a blessing to receive all of you. Thank you all for coming again. I'm 38. I'm a barber. I know all of you very, very closely. Um, yeah, AJ and I have been doing this now for, what, has it been two years yet? Not, not quite two years. Yeah, <laughs> not even quite two years. But... Um, we have been friends for ooh, like 12, 13, no, it's like been like 14 years for real, like a long time. Um, and it's just a blessing to be used by God. Like we left, we met each other in a Bible study, like a literal Bible study. And it was just new. I was a babe in Christ. And I think when he came in, he was a babe in Christ, just like the newly babe in Christ, right? The second time, right? Second time around. But... Um, it's just been a blessing just to, you know, be in friendship with a guy like this guy here. Um, just being able to see the evolution of love and how it looks in different seasons. Um, and, yeah, grateful to just be able to bring this about. You're not a barber. You own a barber shop and salon. There we go. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm AJ. And now I feel like I have to say something because of what she just said. I am thankful for her because she's seen me at my worst state of manhood. And so she's been a, a large part of me growing up. So I'm not going to say who I was before Christ, but I still had a whole lot of residue on me coming in. And so I'm thankful for her because I know how I was, especially towards women. I don't even know why she continued to be cool with me. So I do thank you for that. And that's why we're able to do this. So welcome to What Did You Hear Me Say? So before we even get into the, uh, we had a couple of questions that we want to, we just do quick responses to. If you want to give it, you don't have to. If you want to pass the mic, you can pass it. But we had a couple of questions that came up from the last session. And I want to keep my word on saying I'd address them because I said we gonna, we could hit them next time. So um, one young lady, don't worry about that. One young lady, she's not here, but she asked this, this question. Is falling in love with potential a problem? And I'm not going to elaborate on anything. That was the question she asked. I'm just going to pass it around. If you want to respond, you can respond to it. If not, let it go. Chanel J, uh, absolutely not, because I fell in love with Joaquin's potential. I guess if you see that the person is going, I don't know, down the trashy path or whatever, I'm not saying be unrealistic or foolish in love or picking your partner, but I could see in him things that I would want for myself. 
and I stuck with them. So we stand together. Hmm? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think falling in love with potential for me is that's that's there wasn't me that I. That might be her take. That wasn't my take. Yeah, <laughs> on no potential. Like I think I was like a lot like how Van's situation was. Like, gotta tell you. Well, I don't know if he tell you, but he told me like that's the one you gonna marry. Like I knew that pretty much early on. Like I told you, I told you for the ones that marry. I told you, men. They like I told you this. I keep trying to tell her this. It ain't no potential like that. Like you'll know. Like gotta just tell you. Like that's it. Then you just like all right, God like. She might not like me today. When you know, she like me, she see me with somebody else, right? Like, because sometimes it don't work like that, right? They gotta, you know, gotta tell you to do something, and they might not be on the same page. But you gotta have faith. So I have faith in like that. I, I, I believe I'm making the right decision. So like, I don't know if that makes sense, but Kimberly Thomas. Um, I, no, it's not a problem. Uh, I feel like when you're dating, you're potentially wanting to be courting, and after courting, you potentially want to be a, a wife or a husband. In the beginning, I was not attracted to my husband at all. I told God no over and over and over again, and I really feel like God was like on my bed in the hospital and was like, wake up, because when you open your eyes, you're going to see your husband. And I woke up, and I saw this man, and I was like, okay, God, that's my husband. This is Van, and um, I really do agree with you can't fall in love with potential. She fell in love with my potential. Um, she saw me for something different than what I am, and she still helps me build on that to this day. So when I say when I, like she literally pushes me to get me to that next level that she sees, and when it comes to, like you said, Joaquin, when it comes to God will let you know, he told me the day I met her. She didn't want to hear it, but God told me, this is your wife. The very first day we met, he said that I'm, you're going to be my wife. The very first day. Yes. The very first day I told her she was going to be my wife, and she denied it every time we spoke. She never saw it, but to this day, like, she loves me like it, like, she fell in love with me from the first day. Like, she can't let me go. It's like she never let me go without saying I love you or I miss you or I want to, I love being with you. So, yeah, I do believe that you can fall in love with potential because it can grow. So this is Taryn. Um, I believe it depends on the season that you are in your life. Um, because when I met Jason, I was not, I had given up on love. I was done, like done, 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 done. <laughs> and the first time that we met, I accidentally stepped on his phone posits because I wanted to get the last cookie. <laughs> and then I didn't see him again until a year and a half later. And then I saw him from across the room, but he didn't remember me. So then when we had did a relocation with our job company, I saw him again. And I was like, third time is the charm. God, what are you telling me? I said, okay, I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to listen. I'm going to follow directions. So I prayed and prayed, and here we are. My mother had already labeled him as my son-in-law the first time I told her about how I was feeling about him. 
So with just her already speaking that into existence and then just being patient and waiting to know, that was my season to be potentially like falling in love with her. So I love you, boo. Um, this is Jason. Um, I don't think that falling in love um, with potential is a problem. Um, I do feel like in most cases it's probably a thing that women tend to do. Um, you know, guys don't really guys don't really think of it that way. We don't think of a, a woman as a potential project or something they can build up. It's like you're already the prize. You're already there and, and ready and have everything together. So we don't really look at it that way. You know, the woman is the prize. So it's not like we have to do anything to build a woman up. Um, you know, that's just my take. Morris again. Uh, I agree with, with uh, what everybody's been saying. Uh, falling in love is not a Falling in love with potential, I don't see it as a problem. And like the uh, brother right here just said, with most of us guys, we don't really see uh, women as you know, a project or anything like that because you know we don't really focus on that. We more so we're more so driven about trying to provide or level up or something like that. We just want you to be along for the ride. You know what I'm saying? Um, also, to piggyback on what you said earlier, when she and I were dating back in high school. Um, I, well, she pursued me, first and foremost. But, you know, it's like once we got to, like, really talking and getting to know each other, I knew right then and there, it's like God showed me in a vision, like, you're going to be my wife. And I'd always kept saying that. We had our ups and downs, but I kept saying, you're going to be my wife. So uh, I think for us men, what we know, we know. You know, so that's all I got to say. Teresa, <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all, but I think it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Only because we think so deep, and our thoughts like, oh, this person could do this for me. They're gonna be. It's just, it's just too much. I feel like when you are in tune with God, then no, it's not a problem. But when you have your own thoughts of what you think this person is going to do for you, I believe it's a problem. This is me. <laughs> you don't have anything? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'm here. Okay, well, I'll share mine. Um, um, I think that falling, oh, Raina, I think that it's okay as long as you know the difference between potential and hoping and wishing for someone to be something that they're not. Um, long as you're able to know that, as well as I agree with her being in the right season. Um, because when I was younger, falling in love with what I thought was potential at the age of 41, I now think it's crazy. Um, so meeting Anthony, um, at that time I was in the right season and had matured and um, understood the difference. So in that situation, I would say yes. 
Jelani. Um, okay. I kind of want to dissect the sentence real quick. I want to remove with potential and just keep is falling in love a problem. And I think that is a no. Um, I agree with what Raina said. And I think that when you are aligned with your like divine partner, this sentence kind of sets a foundation that you will, you, that that person will have the potential to fail you. And I think that that foundation isn't steady. And so I think, you know, when you're with a person that you're supposed to be with and they're working to, and you're work, both of you guys are working to get to, you know, that level of life where you're supposed to be, then no. But having this thought in the back of your head creates a rocky foundation for your union because then it's like, well, you don't believe in this person, so then you don't believe in your union. So. That's deep. Yeah. Thank you. You know me. Um, I really can't, uh, is falling in love with potential a problem? No, I don't think so. I think it's a problem when you can't pick yourself up once that potential is no longer serving you. Did that, did that work? Yeah. Did that, okay. 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 Uh, uh, I, I will also agree with Joaquin and sometimes just that divine voice just speaks to you and tells you, as a man, I think as all the men have said, this is the one, this is her, you know, there is no other. And as my, my girlfriend will tell you, our first interactions were me asking for her ring size. You know, so I mean, and it led us up to two years now. So, yeah. Well, I do. Um, man, Jason, Morris, Teresa, Raina, all y'all hit on something. Y'all, y'all hit on what I was gonna say in totality. But I think with, with, with potential, um, I hate to say this because it makes me sound like a misogynist or something. But like Jason said, I'm glad he said it first. So Jason said <laughs> it's more so of a woman thing. And I kind of agree. And he, Morris, elaborated on it, fixed that thing up for us. Because we don't, we're not looking at somebody saying yeah, she can potentially be this. We're accepting what it is right in front of us. That's what we fall in love with. Like, if she never changes, we good. I don't know if women, y'all can speak on it. I don't know if women carry that same mindset towards men. Like, I know a lot of women see potential and they see like, this is what we have the potential of being down the line. Like, I know he, this might be an issue, but he may change. And I think that's why I say falling in love with potential might, might be a problem. I ain't gonna say it is a problem, I ain't gonna say it ain't. But I'm saying it can cause some issues if you don't get what you desired. If you thought that this is what this man is going to turn out to be because that is what you wanted and not what he showed you, then it'll definitely be a problem. Uh, is being driven by trauma always a bad thing? And so I think I'm going to give a little backdrop for this one just so that y'all understand why this question was posed. Correct me if I'm wrong anytime, Raina and Aunt, 
she was explaining how, well, Aunt was explaining, I can't remember, how growing up, you wasn't always able to get what you wanted. Money wasn't like at your disposal at all times. And so Anthony, correct me if I'm wrong, it is Anthony, right? Yeah, so Anthony uh, works a lot. You know, makes money. It's like, I'm never going to experience what I experienced, or I never want my children to experience what I experienced growing up. And it was a young guy who was Jalen. Jalen asked, man, I will have to explain why my response to that. I'll explain when I come back. But Jalen asked, I don't know, is being driven by trauma always, you know, is it completely a bad thing? So before I give my analysis on it. I'll just go ahead and pass this around. <clears throat> uh, Chanel, and I'm going to say no. And one of the things that really, I think, attracted me even more to Joaquin is that we both knew what it was like to have a lack of a parent. And in my case, at the time, it was my dad and it was his mom. So when we started having children, I feel like we just knew we didn't want to be absent. We didn't want our child or children now to have the absence of that parent. And thankfully now, we have both of our parents back. So my dad is back and his mom is back. But that trauma is what drew us to be committed, or me anyway, to serious parenthood, I guess. I, um, this is Joaquin. Um, just reading it. It's so at first when I seen it, I was like, man, nah, you should never be driven by trauma and things like that. But just really like thinking about it, I think um, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think there are scenarios where trauma can like can make you a better person based off of what you've seen, right? Like you tell yourself, I don't want to go through certain situations. Or I've seen how this played out and I know how it affected me and I don't want it to affect my kids that way. Um, so I do think that that's legitimate. Now, I will say, though, that there have been scenarios where God has checked me from my trauma, right? I never forget um, my daughters. I got four daughters, and my um, the third youngest, the third well, Blair, she's, she's the third. Um, she was like, man, I want these Mickey Mouse shoes from Walmart. I was like, yo, Mickey Mouse shoes from Walmart? I don't, nah. I don't know if you know what it's like when kids make fun of you with your shoes, like, I ain't going for it, right? I was like, you sure you don't want no Kobe's and no KD's and nothing like that? She's like, nah, I want those. And God hit me in that Walmart so and the shoes are nine dollars or something like that. God said, man, don't put your insecurities on what you went through on her. Right? And so I had to check myself. I was like, man, all right, if my trauma causes me to put insecurities on somebody, then I gotta check it. But if it's trauma that, hey, um, you know. I, I don't want my family to break up or whatever the case may be because of the things I saw, right? Like, I want to be able to adjust in that way. So, so yeah, always a bad thing? Nah, I don't think it is. This is Kim. Um, I'll say no. It's not always a bad thing. Uh, going into my childhood, my mom was a do what I say, not what I do, do it when I say do it type of mom. And... That was traumatic for me because I got a beat in for giving my brother a piece of candy, and he's my older brother. But it was my mom's candy, and he came in there and was like, can I have one? And I was like, sure, it's mom's, okay, whatever. And she beat me for that. And I'm like, I'm such a giver now. I will give you the shirt off my back because of that. 
but that has now in my adult years, I'm 37, about to be 38, me and my mom are the closest ever. She's like my best friend. She still goes to doctor's appointments with me now, but at that time, it was traumatic because I was like, dang, I got a beating for giving a piece of candy or I got a beating for going to church with my sister. Like, I, I vow not to do that to our children whenever God blesses us with ours because it's, it's bigger things to get upset about, I feel. Um, this is Vine. Um, I definitely don't think it's um, wrong with being driven by your past traumas. Like I said, it makes you, a, it made me a better person um, to who I am. Um, as, well, for me, I don't have my biological father that's in my life. But, so it made me, back then I, I used to hate the fact that I didn't have my actual father in my life. So it made me a better father than I am now. That, it made me a better father to my, to my child that I was then. So it made me feel as though like, I want to be better than what he was to me, to her. So that's what it drove. It drove me to want to be better. So it's never. I don't think it's never bad to allow trauma to drive you to be better than a person that you really are. This is Taryn. Um, I would actually have to agree with Joaquin and Van. Um, my father was a workaholic. And when I say he missed ceremonies, he's missed performances, he's missed so much. But seeing that how he was such a provider for the household, that's what he grew up in. And then that's what his father grew up in. So when I became a parent, at that time I was a single parent with my son, I was like, I'm not going to continue this cycle. I have a son who has a mental disability, and I need to learn how to have that work-life balance and that family-life balance. So I can honestly say it it's not really a trauma. It really actually makes you think about as you become an adult, how you want your life to be. If you want to continue these cycles, then you can break those chains. If you don't, then you keep allowing it to happen. But it depends on where you at in your life and then how you want to you know, be perceived in this world and then also be a better person for yourself. But not only if you are a parent, for your kids as well, because that's the also you know, the way that you're leading the life for them to have those expectations as they get older. So I didn't want my son to think, oh, mommy's a workaholic, working two jobs, she don't ever have no time for me. So I had to break it. So I do agree. It depends. But yeah, no, it's not really a bad thing. Uh, Jason, <clears throat> I don't think being driven by trauma is a bad thing. Um, uh, me and Turner have had lots of conversations about her trauma and um, I've learned to, you know, deal with it and, and, and try to just be supportive of uh, her past trauma and what she's been through. Um, I don't see it as a, as a bad thing though. Um, she's very driven to do better and be better. So I think just, you know, having someone there to support you um, and the things that you've been through, gone through, uh, you know, help you to learn from them. So I think as long as you have that support, you know, in your relationship, everything will be fine. <clears throat> Morris again. Uh, I don't think being driven by trauma is a bad thing. Uh, for me personally growing up, I wouldn't necessarily, necessarily say, like, I dealt with any major trauma. But like you all said, you know, you look at, <clears throat> 
to grow your situation and you learn from it, you know, the do's and don'ts. And so for me, um, with my, my father, he passed a couple of years ago, but growing up, you know, he only had like an eighth grade education. And so from that, I knew, you know, my goal was to finish school. My mom was mostly a stay-home mom up until I got into high school, and she's been working ever since. But the job she worked, she pretty much became complacent. So growing up working and, and, you know, being of age and working, my goal was to, you know, work at Stepping Stones and elevating and things like that. So it wasn't necessarily trauma, but it was just like looking at the goods and bads and, you know, trying to learn from them and, you know, let that be your drive. So that's, that's me. All right, Teresa. Um, my answer is no and yes. Uh, no, because, of course, you want to be able to be a better person, a better parent. Yes, because being a parent, you look at the things that you've been through. For me personally, I'm being taken advantage of, so I'm like crazy overprotective over my children, and that could be a bad thing. And so I have to still learning to you know, just let go a little bit. You know, and I have, we have three boys and one girl. So I'm like, because I, stuff that I went through as a girl, I'm like super protective over my daughter. So yes, I say that's a bad thing because you don't, for me, you don't want to put whatever you went through on your children. So that's my answer. Um, this is Anthony. I, I don't believe uh, driven by trauma is a bad thing. I, I think it like gives you a, a blueprint on how to be like the better self you can you can be. So, Raina, um, when I read that question, um, I look at it. it to me, it, it seems like, or I read it as always having a choice. Sometimes there's trauma that just sticks with you depending on what that trauma is. And anytime throughout your life, you can be triggered <laughs> by that trauma. So when you say it's being driven, to me, it, seems, it, it sounds more like you always have control of it. And you allow, because you're in control of it, you allow that to you know, um, drive you to do certain things. Um, just I agree with you. Being younger, um, things that have happened to me makes me overprotective of my son. However, just like you, I've had to check myself because being overprotective doesn't allow him to experience failure. Um, it doesn't allow him to experience vulnerability. Um, and Anthony's had to check me, you know, several times as because he's a boy. And you know he's like you know let him be a boy, um, so it's it's hard because certain things trigger me like spending the night over someone's house <laughs> it it triggers me um, but I've had to like along the way bring the helicopter mom down like land the helicopter a little bit and let him experience some things and make his own decisions um, and luckily he didn't have the same experience as me but. Um, it's hard to let that guard down because it's just him. We don't have two, three. <laughs> it's just him. Um, so, yeah. Jelani, 
Um, yes, for me. And that's a point blank yes. For me, trauma is pain. And being driven by pain, I feel like it keeps you in a space energetically and spiritually that doesn't let you propel as much as you need to into your future. And that pain will always continue to hold you back because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, damn, this happened to me as a kid, so I'm projecting now. And that's why it's important to work through your trauma because what I'm driven by is ambition. I want what I want to, how I want to elevate and the drive that I have needs to be propelled by something positive, not, some, not pain that has kept me down. And so in order to get to that space where it's like, okay, everything I'm doing is being driven by ambition, right? Like we've had the struggle of poverty, we've had these struggles, but it's like, I need to work through those traumas that I've had as a child in order to be able to say, okay, now that I've worked through that, I know I'm not gonna bring that into my future because that is the past me. And so, yeah, pain, driving, being driven by pain for me, I, I can't, no, I can't get with that. <clears throat> Justin, um, I don't think it's a bad thing to uh, be driven by trauma. However, I think if trauma is driving you, it should be driving you to push past that fear, mm -hmm. to push past what is holding you back, to push past those memories, because like she said, that will hold you back and will keep you in a state of constant fear and will keep you in a state of, of constantly being triggered. If you don't address those things, mm -hmm. they will continue to haunt you. I also think that um, the old saying goes, I think applies to trauma. Coal plus pressure makes a diamond. And I think sometimes in certain circumstances, your trauma builds you into a better person. It forces you to be a better person, a better person than those who, uh, who raised you, who did you harm, who caused the trauma. I think it can enable you to be better in certain circumstances. This is Zara. Um, I just kept hearing while we were talking about this, nothing happens unless God allows it, right? I feel like um, there's so many different ways to look at this, you know, being driven by trauma. Because I heard what you said about, like, it's almost assuming that you have control. And then I heard what you said, like, yeah, pain, like, like submitting to your pain is not really something I even want to, you know, deal with. Did I say that correctly? Like, just like, okay, I wanna make sure I heard what she said, okay. Um, for me, driven, being driven by something seems like it's controlling you, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like that particular thing is, it's what's the head. And if I know anything, I know that allowing anything to be the head of your life or the, the thing that moves you or whatever the case is a dangerous, is a dangerous place. Um, it gets it gets really tricky because um, while I do think that trauma can propel you into great things, I do believe that we idolize our traumas. I believe that the things that happen to us, and mind you, listen to what I'm saying, that happen to us um, are important to our lives, 
but they happen to us. We don't have any control over those things. And if they happen to us, then we have to figure out what it is that God's trying to teach us. We, what we fail to understand is, yes, a lot of us, we are in our word. A lot of us are reading these stories in the Bible. But those, those things, those, this is our story. I'm in the book of Dara right now, and God is dealing with me in all seasons of my life, right? The things that happened to me when I was younger, maybe something that I'm holding on to for dear life, but that's something that I've decided to do. What is God trying to teach me along the way? How can I pass along, um, you know, what I've been taught to someone who's coming under me or somebody who, like, even if we're in this, you know, this sort of situation, I may say something that might propel somebody else to do another thing. But I think what's causing me a trip up is just the being driven by it. I don't think that you should ever put or allow something to control you in that way. I can't blame my mom for the rest of my life for the way that my childhood went. Can't do it. Because what that does is that idolizes what my mom did. And she's just a human being who makes mistakes like me. You know what I'm saying? But I can recognize that a trauma is personal. I can recognize that the reason why it is a trauma to me is because I am upset by what happened but I can't place blame and just continue to like live off of that. So that's the reason why I have to, you know, make that distinguish the, that distinction of like being driven by it. Because I don't think that it's okay to be driven by it, but I do think that traumas are important. And the reason why they are is because that's what God allows it. And learning, like not learning from your traumas to me is more harmful, is more of a bad thing. I don't want to make the mistake of thinking that everybody, you know, believes in Christ. But I do want to say this. It's like it's not a Christian podcast or a Christian, what did Jimmy say, event. But Dara and I do. That is what we subscribe to. And that is our principles and our foundation and everything. And I don't want to just repeat what everybody said because Raina, Jelani, and Dara just hit the nail on the head. That was it right there. All I was going to say is, the same thing. Opposing to what you said, I don't see it as you have power over it. Just like what Dara said, being driven by it, what I'm hearing is it always has power over you. And even if you think you have power over it, it's always something in your mind. It's holding a spot. And she used the perfect word. It's idolatry. It's actually idolatry. And what, what happens with a lot of trauma is um, it, it's rooted in fear. Like there's no trauma that we have that we're happy or joyous about and be like, let me go do this, make sure my kids never starve because I was happy when I was starving or something. You know, it ain't, it's always fear. I don't want, you know what I'm saying? I don't want them to experience what I experienced. And the book that I read, it says God didn't give us a spirit of fear. And so I don't, anything, if there's fear in any aspect of our lives that we decide to operate from this thing, I just always feel like it's wrong. Now, I'm not saying that trauma can't propel you to do good things, but good isn't always God. And what I fear is we do this. What we do with what did you hear me say at Deep Scott Avenue is relationships, period. So I believe we both believe this, that relationship with God is the most important thing. That's what's supposed to matter to us. But our relationship with each other is what matters to God. And the reason I can't, what I heard from it, because the question that Jalen posed was from their situation. What I heard from it was it put a strain on the relationship. 
Raina felt a certain way because she didn't have her husband uh, as long as she wanted him. She wasn't getting that time with her husband that she wanted. And she was saying his trauma drew, uh, drove him to work a lot, to make money so that we'll never have to leave. But what? what's more important? Having the money or having an effective relationship, a loving relationship with your wife. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not telling anybody what to do. I'm just going to tell you any kind of advice that you hear from myself or from Dara, it's always going to be relationship first. That's just where my heart is going to come from. I don't care. I go broke and be poor on the sidewalk if my relation, if all of my relationships are right. It's no point in me being rich and then, yeah, well, <laughs> enough said. <laughs> I agree, but yeah. All right, this next one um, also came from the last session. Question was asked by my beautiful co-host. And anybody can weigh in on this. This is more so, well, I can't say it's more so for the women because it's something that everybody, anybody could have dealt with. And you don't have to. I know this might be a touchy subject for some, so you don't have to. But if the spirit leads you to, if you want to, please help the listeners. If it plays. Um, the physical sacrifice, I wanted to like kind of spearhead that to you, Raina. Um, I know you touched on it, and of course, if you don't want to like expound that I understand, but I just feel like there are gonna be so many women who are set free by your testimony when it comes to what you said about the physicality of your relationship and how um, you know, Anthony has made that sacrifice, you know, as a man, because that's something that I deal with. Um, and not to like, you know, make this podcast about me, but this is something that I've spoken about on our podcast. Like we've dealt with a lot of women have dealt with and not to say men haven't, um, but we've dealt with molestation. We've dealt with sexual assault, right? Um, two things I am super familiar with. Um, and so when it comes down to even, recognizing somebody who I want to be in a relationship, those things are paramount, right? It's important for me to know that you you respect me on not only like for who I am, right? Because I feel like me, Dara, feels like the baseline is love. So you're going to love me, right? Because that's what I deserve, right? Because I was made by God. But how do you respect my body? How do you respect my space? And so I want you to expound on that. Uh Did everybody understand? before I pass this, what the question was, what, what Dara's asking. I mean, if it doesn't apply, you could just go ahead and pass it. I, I don't know how to unpackage all of that as a woman with experiences and being in situations you had no business being in. Um, I'm going to just pass it to a man. I know when not to say anything. I'm passing it. <laughs> so the question is, how do you respect the body? Is that the question? Yeah, and just unpacking um, being in a relationship with somebody who does respect, you know, your, like, like you having those type of traumas and things like that. Okay. So for me, this is Teresa. I've had lots of trauma and I was able to express that to my husband. And because he's respectful and because he loves me, even before intimacy, we talk. He'll ask, it's never forced. 
And so I can say for our relationship, and sometimes I'm like, don't dad, just come over here and get it. You know, <laughs> that's just me. But because he understands the trauma I went through, he's always been respectful in that manner. Um, this is Anthony. Um, I would say it, it kind of falls on you and your partner and how y'all interact as far as like, with the trauma they went through and, you know, like she said, talking. Um, but just, just know, just your, just your partner knowing that you're going to be there for them throughout whether they've been triggered by anything or just anything, just being there for them is, is, is showing up enough. Raina, um, I would say for me, um, so the one thing that I did share the last time was, was that Anthony is the only guy who knows um, past relationships. I've just been, I've just drawn that hard line. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to tell you why. I'm just not doing certain things. Um, so when it came to Anthony um, and piggybacking on the first question, knowing that he had potential and this is who I wanted to move on with, um, I first, he first, built trust with me. Um, and he was very patient, very, <laughs> very patient. Um, but building trust and understanding that the trust part was very important because it was a family member who I should have trusted. I mean, and they broke the trust early on. So trust period has always been an issue with me, whether it's a female or a male. Um, so building that trust and once that trust was there and me, you know, sharing the experience, him being able to understand how certain things just are a trigger. But on the other hand, as an adult, I understand that certain things, I mean, need to happen. People have, you know, wants and needs. Um, and being grown enough to... Um, work through the trauma and dis distinguish the difference between a monster um, and my husband. Um, so that has been pretty much which has broke the barrier, but he's a patient guy. <laughs> um, Jelani, yeah, I think I agree with Raina where patience is super important in this discussion, um, being someone who grew up with sexual trauma from women and men. Um, when I, I had just started my healing journey and I, had, I was gonna take it to my grave with me, honestly. And um, in 2020, I met my therapist who was also like a life coach. And one day we was just going through a session and I just blurted it out to her and just started crying. And this is something that has been consistent in my family as well because it also happened to my older brother. And he kind of like blames my mom for like the situation and things that have happened to him. And you know, I didn't take that route. You know, even though my mom was a single mom and she was always, you know, working and stuff like that. And the people that she left us with, she trusted or she thought, you know, she could trust them. Um, 
So I didn't take that route because I also seen what that did to my mom, which is why I said, okay, I'm just gonna keep this bottled up. But I also seen the effects that it was having on me. I was letting people, like even if I didn't wanna have sex with a man, I would do it anyway, just to like, okay, let me just appease this. I don't wanna do this right now, but I'm just gonna appease you. And so to meet someone like Justin, and I asked him already, you know, he's had similar experiences. Um, and we kind of, you know, bonded in that aspect because now it was each, we were helping each other. Because I was a bit further along in my journey with, you know, healing from something like this. And I finally, you know, I talked to my siblings about it. I talked to my mom and my mom had the exact opposite reaction than I thought she was going to have. I thought she was going to be like, negative about it, like, oh, I don't want to hear this, and go down like a, a deep, dark well. And she was just so embracing and so opening, and she went and started cussing people out. Like, it was, it was crazy. She was riding for me. And, um, you know, when I brought this to Justin, when we, started, we first started dating, that was when I was getting in the motion of it, and I was just like, you know what, I'm telling everybody, because I'm not ashamed of this anymore. I was ashamed of it before. And I'm like, I'm not ashamed of this anymore. This isn't holding me back. This is a part of my story, and this is who I am. And to hear that, it, you know, happened to him too, unfortunately, but, you know, I'll let him, you know, talk about it. But, you know, having someone like Raina said, who is patient with you and who can, you know, learn your body, learn your triggers, and just learn your mind because I think at the end of the day, our bodies are a temple. And when you've been through experiences where people violate your temple, you kind of want to just hold it. And so to be with someone who is patient with me, who is compromising, who is like loving and caring, that's what really gets you through those instances. Um, Justin, um, I think my trauma had a similar effect on, on me that Jelani's did. I was very hypersexual at a later stage in life. I mean, I'm not super old, but um, I was very hypersexual uh, even when I first met Jelani. But hearing about and learning about her trauma, and then eventually telling her about mine, I began to slowly put the brakes on what I thought I wanted physically, because I wanted to make sure we were in a better place emotionally. I wanted to make sure our connection was strong, and I never wanted to, her to feel like she should just do it because it's something that human beings want to do. It's, a, it's another physical need. I wanted it to be meaningful, and I wanted it to be impactful, and I, I just didn't want to take um, a route that made it have less meaning. And um, I think it's made us stronger. I think it's bonded us a little bit more. Um, but it is something we still have to, I still have to remind myself that she went through those things because her, her journey, although she started well before mine, it hasn't ended and I have to be conscientious of that. Um, this is Dara. Um, yeah, so I hope my question, it seemed a little all over the place, but I know 
for me, the reason why I'm asking is because I'm not currently in a relationship um, and just really understanding how or what to look for. I know, Raina, you were saying that like Anthony has been very patient um, and Jelani, like you said, there is a trust thing too, like as far as you and Justin are concerned and then with a shared kind of like, you know, trauma bonding, if you will. Um, experience um I just wanted to know like what that process is or how it developed in the relationship because as you said Raina something very important is like maybe the person that you're with has like a higher libido or they're ready to go or whatever the case might be and you're like you're you know you you got the brakes on because of your traumas right and this and we're not even necessarily talking about in the dating phase or even like you know marriage right like let's talk about it right intimacy and marriage if you've dealt with a trauma that has to do with somebody stealing for lack of better wording something so precious from you and then it's time for your husband to to know you right like the bible says um, and you just don't, like, you don't, you freeze up. Like, how, what is the process? You know what I mean? Like, Anthony, I guess I could give this to you because you are married in this situation like that. Like, what is the process, I guess, that you all go through to push past that? Or is it one of those things where you have to, um, where there is a conversation every time? Or, you know, what, what's your thought process, I guess, in that situation? Can I give that straight, Sam, or? Um, just like, like you said, like, if, if we're being intimate and she like pauses or freezes or anything, like we'll stop and, you know, I ask what's wrong or we'll talk about it. And, you know, if, if it's too much, we'll just move past it and just do something else. Like, I think for like, going through something like that if if they want to if 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 the person trying to get over it if they're like forced into doing it, it it's not going to help so kind of like just talking about it and like just being there for them you know and just knowing knowing the person you're dealing with basically too and like she said just being patient it it'll all fall in line you know what I'm saying? It it won't it it will, it will be natural. It won't feel forced or it won't feel like they're being triggered by it. Oh, I mean, the only thing that you know I I would add is just that um, it won't always be like that. Um, when you find the one. Um, at least for me, when I found the one. Um, and when I say no one knew, my mother didn't know until I was in my 30s. Like, I confided in one person and they like blasted it out of nowhere. <laughs> so he was, he knew before my mom. Um, so we were friends first. So that trust with being, fr being friends, that helped a lot too. Um, so it won't always be like that. Um, you'll eventually, you know, get comfortable, um, and he'll just know what your triggers are and just know what moves not to make so it does not mess up the moment. Um, so, yeah. 
All right, I'll be brief. Um, I'll be thinking about a whole lot of stuff. My mind just always just keeps going and keep going and keep going. Last two women I dealt with both had experienced rape, and I never touched either one of them because God told me my wife is going to be somebody I never touched before, so I just stopped dealing with people like that. Um, but when they told me that, they told me the stories, like told me exactly what happened and told me who the people was, and it enraged me. And I was like, even though this happened years ago, I was like, I'm going to kill him. This is what I told myself. I said, what's the dude's name? I'm going to kill him. Because I, it's just something in me that just doesn't, it just doesn't sit well with me for a man to take advantage of a woman in such manner. And when I think about a person I'm with and they experience that kind of trauma, like it makes me real sensitive to it to almost, almost with a point where it'll be just like, like you said, I would be. I haven't experienced this, but this is what I'm thinking it's going to be like. At any sound or any, I'm like, you all right? You good? And I don't, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, because I, like you said, I don't want something to be triggered and then she forget I'm AJ. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, but it's something that I always, like, I always think about that because I, I'll be honest, like, I was naive to a lot of this. I'm talking about until I was probably about 31, 32 I did not know that rape and molestation and everything was so prevalent. Like we didn't, I didn't grow up with people that dealt with those things and everything. And I didn't find out till I'm in my thirties that a couple of guys that I know that I'm cool with, that I'm tight with, they experienced those things. And then when I really started dealing with women, like getting in serious relationships and everything, and I'm like, man, this happened a lot. Like I didn't know that that was, it was so prevalent. So that. It sent me deep down, like, man, this is a great chance that the woman I'm a, that I dealt with, she dealt with some kind of, whoever I'm going to deal with, she might have dealt with some kind of um, sexual assault or something. And, I was, and it just sent me deep down trying to wonder how will I deal with that thing. So this actually helps me also. This is Dara. Um, I just wanted to say that the reason why that's so important is because there are so many people out here who still ain't came to their truth, right? Still holding it. And I just feel like that's the reason why we're here, to release a lot of people from having something literally sitting on their chest every single day of their lives, right? Like you said, it, just being able to release it in your 30s, right? Whenever it happens, you know, here you are, you can be who you are. And that's like you said, you didn't know that it happened, but it's so many people who you, it's people still that you don't know yet, who have something to reveal. And they have to get married, or they will get married, or they will have kids, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's this is where we start really addressing like the foundations of relationship. There's so many people who have so many things that they're just, they're, they're in pain right now. And because they're in pain, they're raging and they're taking it out on everybody. And as we know, cycles, right? I take it, I, the teacher goes off on me, I go home, I go off on mommy, mommy goes off on you know my brother, boom, boom, boom. So that's the reason why I thought this was just such an important question and something that I wanted to even talk about deeper. Like maybe we'll have a circle about that too. And not to make people reveal anything about themselves that they're not comfortable with, but just having the conversations because there are a lot of people who are in marriage right now who are suffering because maybe the husband might think, she doesn't like me, you know what I mean, physically. And it's not that I don't like you, it's that I haven't dealt with what's happened to me, you know what I mean? Um, so I just wanted to, you know, say that for the people who are listening.
Marvelous. All right, so now we're going to start this session of what did you hear me say. And all of that is, is relevant. It's actually relevant. Um, y'all already, I think y'all already seen what this is going to be about anyway, but I'm just going to go ahead and show this video just to kick us off. Y'all probably seen it before. I trust my son. I trust my own. So this what did you hear me say? It's about trust. <laughs> Cultivating trust. I'm gonna edit that into the, the YouTube but just so they can see that video. Cultivating trust, that's what this one is about. So look, I wanna ask y'all this question. These are two questions, right? It's saying, can you trust your partner to make the best decision for you, even if it inconveniences them even if it hurts them, or even if it works against what it is they want or they're trying to accomplish. So the question is, the first question is, can you trust your partner to make the best decision for you, even if? The second question is, do you? Uh, Chanel here. Yes, I trust that my partner can make the best decision for me. Yes, I do trust my partner to make the best decision for me. Even if I'm digging my heels in against it, I will still follow through. This is Joaquin. Um, yeah, I, I trust her. And um, yeah, I, I trust her if it like, even if it's something that, you know, I may not see eye to eye on. Um, minus the fact if, God tells me that this is what it's going to be, then I ain't trying to hear nothing she's trying to say. Just, I'm just being honest because I know I'm going to have to deal with the man upstairs. But other than that, like, if it's, yeah, I'll trust her. Even if it's number three, it works against, oh, what is it? I only ask this because I know some of y'all might remember me saying this, that humans are innately selfish. Like we're innately selfish, we always think about ourselves first. And you have to learn to like consider somebody else first. You have to learn to, well, hold on, let me, is this gonna work against her if I'm doing this? That's why I ask these questions, they, they progress. So it's, can I trust you to make the best decision for me if it inconveniences you? That's the easy one. Can I trust you to make the best decision for me if it hurts you? It gets a little tougher. Can I trust you to make the best decision for me when you know it's going to work against whatever it is you're trying to accomplish? But you're saying, I'm a sacrifice. If y'all remember the last one was sacrifice, I'm a sacrifice and make the best decision for my part. That's why it's, a, it's really a four-part question, just comprised. Yeah, this is Joaquin. So I, I just say, yeah, I trust on all of those. Yeah, like on all those types of things. I, I trust on all those things. I mean, the longer you stay together, it, like, 
the longer you stay together, it's not like a dare or a me type thing, right? Like y'all, the more you stay together longer, it's, it's the more of like, all right, if something bad for her, it's bad for me too type of thing. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you know what I mean? Minus if I'm going to like hang out with somebody and she might want to, you know, stay home, then it might hurt her feelings or things like that. But other than that, like, if it's against her, it's against me. If it's against me, it's against her. This is Kim. I agree with Joaquin. Um, and yes, I um, trust my husband in every aspect of all those one through three. That's why I married him. <laughs> <laughs> this is Van. Um, yes, I do trust in all aspects, trust my wife in all aspects of those questions because I know she has my best interest at heart. Whatever decision she makes, vice versa, it's gonna be for the both of us, it's gonna be better for us. So um, we've gotten to that point where we trust on all levels. We say we, we go with what is said to each other. We have an idea, we'll come to each other. Look, babe, this is what, it, this is what we wanna do, yes. Okay, we'll talk about it, but at the most of the end of the day, we do trust each other with the decisions that we make in our household. Um, this is Kim. Uh, AJ, I love you, but I'm gonna have to disagree with being selfish. We think of ourselves first. For me, I'm gonna say that's not me at all. Not me at all. I think of my husband first in every decision that I make, and I bring it to him like he said. So. It's tough, but it is tough. It's tough, but in a good, a good way that I respect him and the values of our marriage because it's not just a me anymore. It's a us. And we give more than 50% coming from both of us. We give the, old, the whole hundred, the whole hundred on both aspects. So I love you again, AJ, but that's a lie. <laughs> Uh, this is Taryn. I can say since we are newlyweds, if y'all would have asked us this question about two something months ago, it probably would have been a different answer because we were still in that getting to know me stage, building our trust in our bonds, um, and trusting each other no matter what, how much of a sacrifice we both had to make since we um, had to come together as a blended family. Um, but where we're at now, since we worked through that process, absolutely, absolutely. So in that time frame, but during that four months, it took time. So when I say before newlyweds, like we just moved in together. So we had to get comfortable with that first. And then we had to get comfortable with the kids. So, you know, at one point, he was just coming over on the weekends, but he didn't have his daughters and everything else. But when we finally, like, did the whole big bang shebang, it was like, <sighs> So it was definitely some uh, trials and tribulations. But, you know, talking through it, being having that open conversation, it worked. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think? I agree. You sure? Yeah. You don't look like it. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. Do you trust your partner? I do. I'm playing with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's going too deep. Just trying to get it. <clears throat> like 
Uh, this is Jason. I, I do trust my partner completely. Um, I do trust her to make the best decision uh, for me, um, even if it inconveniences her. She. Yeah. Yeah. She. She'll make the best decision for me. Um, and yeah, all, all three of those things. I, I trust her immensely. I wouldn't be with her if I didn't trust her. So. That's paramount. I gotta trust her. This is Morris again. Uh, in terms of the questions, I most definitely trust my wife uh, when it comes to like, because we've been in situations when it came to like decisions dealing with like a car, uh, loans, things like that. She's real particular about uh, money, you know, not, you know, rushing into things. And um, for me, I'm like, well, we could do this, we could do that. So I know I trust her in those areas because I know at the end of the day, she has the best interest for both of us. Now, as far as like trust as a whole, we still have our ups and downs. We've been together for a long time, but I know where it counts. I know she has, you know, us in mind. So most definitely. Um, this is Anthony again. Um, I would say yes to both questions. Um, our, our relationship is, it was like, it's, it's built on like a team type of thing. So I have no doubt in mind like she would like make the best decisions for, for me even if she had it, even if it works against her because she she'll take one for the team. So yeah. That's what you had on that paper. I yeah. was scared. Okay, so, um, yes, I can trust that um, Anthony will make the best decision, you know, for me. Um, he's always, you know, willing to be inconvenienced to, you know, work as a team or, um, or he doesn't mind being inconvenienced when working as a team. Um, and I agree with, what's your name? Kim. Kim, as far as the selfish thing, AJ. Um, I think that the longer you're together, it is hard to make a decision without thinking about how it's gonna affect, you know, the household. And, you know, I shared like the last time, like Anthony, bless his little heart, has been on his deathbed twice. So, you know, he didn't have a choice but to trust that the decisions, you know, that I was making was the right thing. At times, I didn't even know if I was making the right decision. Um, so it's really hard to be in a relationship with someone for a long period of time and just make big decisions, you know, just in the spare of the moment without, you know, worrying about how it's going to affect other people in the household. Jelani, um, yes to both. If you would have asked me this last year, the answer would have been no. Because, love you, but when we got together, Justin was probably one of the most selfish beings I've ever known. And I grew up extremely selfless 
to the point where sometimes it could work against me because, you know, people start taking advantage of you when you're a little bit too selfless. Um, you know, but in this moment right now, the way Justin has stepped up in like a very dark time for me the last couple of months and like proved, we had to work on the trusting. We had some stuff at the beginning of our relationship that kind of broke the foundation of the trust. And so, but we did the actionable steps. We went to couples therapy and we put in the work to rebuild that. And now I can say wholeheartedly, absolutely. Can trust Justin, absolutely. What'd you say? That's dope. <laughs> so true. Um, I would say, and this is Justin, that I can trust Jelani in both aspects. I can trust her if it goes, uh, works against what she wants. I can trust her if it's a better decision that hurts her, but this uplifts me. Um, and even if it inconveniences her, hell, moving here to be with me was an inconvenience, but she did it anyway because she loved Justin. me. Because she loved me. Um, she moved here. That was an inconvenience, but she did it. Um, it's okay. I, I, I can see Dara. Yeah, I trust her. She's, she's shown me that um, she really loves me. She has my best interest at heart. Um, she's constantly pushing me and giving me great ideas that can enable me to be a better man, to be better in the career um, I've chosen. And, you know, I, I honestly can't say there's been somebody quite as impactful as Jelani's been in the last two years that she's been in my life. Per. This is Dara. Um, so... As far as partnership goes, I've been in a lot of different relationships and partnerships too. Like I have a business partnership and things like that. Trust goes a very long way. Um, and when you feel when somebody doesn't trust you, when you're, who you're in partnership with, it can break the relationship. Um, one thing I'm learning though is um, one, the biggest trust that I have is trusting in God. Like I had to literally like get that right first because I know that people are going to make mistakes, right? I had to realize that in my head. Of course, I'm going to feel sad or I'll have an emotion, right? But I'm not going to live in it because I realize that, like, I'm going to let somebody down too. So as a single person, just learning how to, one, be trustworthy, trusting God, right? I'm practicing for when, when the day does come. Um, so... Essentially, I feel like, and I want to pose this to the to the couples too. Like, I feel like you're gonna let the person who you're in a relationship with down, right? Like, you are gonna make a decision that is maybe harmful to the team. Um, how do you get past that? Like, because my thing is like that's the reason why I had to work on my trust of God because I had a problem with people letting me down. Like, I don't trust nobody. Like you said. Anybody can get it, 8 to 80, right? Like, I don't trust none of y'all, right? And I had to pray about it because I really was putting God in a, like, in the, in the place of a human being. I was actually equating Father God to my actual daddy, and it's like, mm, nah, that ain't it. Um, but when I realized that, like, 
people people will let me down, but God never lets me down, right? I said, I need to stop focusing on what the people are doing. So if that comes down to marriage, right, I understand what y'all are saying. Like, yeah, I trust my wife to do this. I trust, yeah, they'll do this, da 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 They'll make these sacrifices. But even if they don't, don't you still have to trust? So I'm going to pass it along. I'm not ignoring your question. It will get unpacked throughout this. Um, I feel like I need to defend myself, but I'm not. Yeah. To who? Nah, nah, I'm, I'm messing. I'm, I was messing with Kim. I'm messing with Kim. Yeah. I'm messing with Kim. And I felt like I felt like Raina just trying to get back at me. It's all, it's all, it's all cool. But nah, I'm, I'm talking. I'm not talking about you know you. You know, already built the trust in your relationship that you're going to think about your partner. I mean, I got friends, close friends that I think about just in they because we had that relationship. But if we was out. I saw a million dollars on that floor. I'm not about to be like that. He looked like he could use that. I'm going for it. It's mine. So, <laughs> 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 All right. Mistrust. See? <laughs> Mistrust versus distrust. Do y'all believe there's a difference? Or y'all don't even know? All right, well, cool. Good, because we're going to unpack this. We're going to get to what you was talking about. We're going to get to this. Yeah, ride with me for a second with this, all right? Mistrust is based off of skepticism, doubt, like uncertainty. It's a personal issue likely stemming from past personal experiences or trauma. Does this make sense? Should I elaborate a little bit more? So when you have mistrust for somebody, well, it'll make sense once you see the definition of distrust. Distrust. Doubt also, but it's like you have no confidence in this. And it stems from evidence that shows a person can't be trusted. So mistrust comes from your perspective. The person might not have done nothing, or you might think, like, because of how things went in the past or your past experiences, your trauma, your mistrust for somebody exists because of that. Distrust exists because, no, fool cheated before. So now I can't trust you to be around these women or this happened, you blew that money, I can't trust you to be responsible with it, right? Make sense? Yeah. All right, because we're gonna get to some unpacking. Ride with me here. So we got the mistrust and the distrust. I'm gonna listen to my guy right here because he's gonna break something down for us and, and we're gonna get rolling. Why they keep doing me like that, man? Oh, I did it to myself. No, they did it to me again. Yeah, but it's coming. It's coming through the through the laptop, not the TV. So what we'll do here? I, I think that, I think that we do a disservice to marriage when we call adultery an affair. Right, an affair. It sounds like a party. Maybe I should bring a gift and invite my friends. Right? Um, it's adultery. Right? Adultery is an ugly word. It was, it was such an ugly word that in the Old Testament, if you were caught in the act of adultery, they would take you outside the camp and stone you with stones until you die. Why? Well, because marriage is a covenant. It is not a contract. A contract is an agreement between two or more individuals based upon a mutual distrust. A covenant 
is an agreement between two or more people based upon a mutual love and trust. And when two people entered into covenant together, oftentimes what they would do is they would sacrifice an animal. Animal would die. They would sacrifice, each sacrifice an animal. They would walk in a circle around those animals. They'd take a knife in their left hand, cut their right hands. They'd put their hands together and bind their hands together with a rope. Your blood becomes my blood. My blood becomes your blood. They would exchange covenant promises. They would exchange covenant names. My name would become your name. Your name would become my name. Um, they would exchange covenant vows. I'm going to give everything I have. I'm going to give my resources, my life, my time, my energy, my money, my everything, my knowledge and understanding. I'm going to give everything I have to protect you and yours. If I don't keep my word to you, may what happened to this animal happen to me. And so both people would give that covenant promise. And so there's a, there's a saying in societies of honor where they still do covenants. There's a saying that blood is thicker than milk, meaning that blood is thicker than mother's milk. And so when two people entered into a covenant together, their relationship would be closer than their own blood relatives. Now, there's a reason. <clears throat> what he said was powerful. Now, I told you all to ride with me. We went, we, went, we went through the mistrust and distrust, and now we had contracts and covenants. And so he said something. He misspoke a little bit, but he said a contract is an agreement that people come to because of a, a mutual, he said distrust, but I'm gonna say a mutual mistrust. Because you're not even gonna sign a contract with somebody that you just know. <laughs> you're not gonna fulfill in this. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a skepticism. Like, I'm not sure if you're gonna follow through or not, but here, let's sign this contract, I'm gonna bind you to this, and we both have sides that we need to um, adhere to. So. Contracts to covenants, this was, my, this was my take on it. Like I said, I don't know everything. It's AJ take on it, and we're going to unpack it a little bit. The contract stage, everybody here is married except for Jelani and Justin, right? And you and Dara. And me and Dara. The contract stage. <laughs> the contract stage is the um, boyfriend-girlfriend stage, right? You got the mistrust, you got the skepticism, because it's things that you might have past experiences. I want you, I'm going to get to the question or whatever. I'm going to have y'all write it down. But you might have past experiences or something that'll have you like, I don't know, do I want to commit to this woman? Do I want to commit to this man? Because of just your person, right? That's the contract stage. We going to, why are you cringing like that? You make me nervous, right? Now I ain't looking at you no more. He read. The man is the man reads. All right, well, look, we here, right? I want y'all to write this down. We're in the contract stage, right? The boyfriend-girlfriend stage. So for those of you that are already married, you y'all had the boyfriend-girlfriend stage. Y'all can work this out. And for those that aren't married, what are areas of mistrust? What or what areas of mistrust did you notice existed within your partner? And how did you counter it or give them support to help them get over it? Does this question make sense? So I'm not talking about yourself. I'm talking about did you notice some areas of mistrust that may have existed in your partner? Like, she don't, just me, myself. Like, she don't trust me with money because her last boyfriend blew everything. And so how would I support her or how would I help her get over that or because she was broke, whatever. I'm asking y'all, how much you pay attention to your partner? Do you realize the areas of mistrust and, and, and how did you deal with that? Make sense? Yeah, y'all thinking. I see a whole bunch of faces like, 
<laughs> I put none. And I feel like Joaquin probably needs a scroll. <laughs> I also feel like I probably put none because like many of the wives here, it wasn't real where I was interested in him in that way before. So I grew to know him and like him romantically. So it wasn't that I was even looking for a mistrust in him. Wise. Wise. I'm not saying anything. This is wisdom. This is wisdom. This ain't gonna help nobody. This is Kim and Joaquin passed the mic. Joaquin passed the mic. Um, again, this is Kim. I, none. None. This is Van. Um, I feel the same way. None. I knew from that moment and the moment we moved in together, just seeing her drive and everything, I never had any mistrust or distrust with how she moved because I know that she's going to handle her business. Your question is, did you see, notice that she had any mistrust? No, none, no, none, no mistrust at all. Okay, so the question is, Mistrust, did we notice any mistrust within each other? Within each other? Yeah. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to explain yours. No, 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 you, his. Yeah. Um, trust, I want to say. Um, because of his past relationship, he was, um, I wouldn't call it clingy, but very... Um, Hold on, because, hold on, hold on. I wouldn't call it clingy, but I would call it, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Always trying to know, hold on, always trying to know, here's a good example. Anytime I would get a phone call or a text message from someone that he did not know, he will always assume that it was something going on between me and that person. So because of his past, of what he'd been through with his ex-wife, he automatically had that perception built in his head. Oh, I don't know this person who's calling you. Did y'all boop or whatever? No, we just friends. They. So that's when I can say I noticed that. And that was beforehand. Did I get that right? Okay. How did you tell him? How did I? I asked. Like, we had to have keep comment. We had to keep having multiple conversations about it because I had to keep explaining him. I am not your past. I will not be your past. I can never be your past. I am my own person who God has designed me to be. So I can only walk in my truth, and you have to be able to start trusting me in my truth and the walk that I'm walking with you in that path as well. So we just had to keep having more. It was a hard, rough spot, but we just, he finally let go. I didn't get those questions, who's texting you? Why is your phone jumping off? Da, 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 da. Who was this person? I didn't, he had to learn how to let go and, it, and heal from what he went through to know that I am not her. I will never be her and I cannot be her and I'm something better that you chose in your life to be a part of, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> you can say your name, by the way. Um, you this say what? Oh, yeah, yeah my name you is. Can, you can say your name. <laughs> Uh, this is Jason. Um, hmm. 
What areas of mistrust did I notice? Um, I think the I think the thing I noticed was she wasn't sure um, she wasn't sure if I wanted to be with her. I think um, initially, um, I can say it. we <laughs> um, you know we started off friends with benefits and. You know, it grew, and you know, she caught feelings first, um, and I think she wanted to know where we stood. And she had a she she had a level of mistrust where she didn't know that I wanted to uh, you know be serious with her. So um, I think she was she wanted to kind of. Not pressure me, but like, hey, where do we stand? You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, I told her, I said, look, I, you know, I love you. I want to be with you. I don't want to be anywhere else, but you got to let me move at my own pace. You know, I tell her, I said, look, a, a woman cannot force a man to be with them. They can't force a man to settle down. So, you just have to be patient. I mean, if if you really want to be with that person, you just have to be patient and know that, hey, he's going to come to a decision on his own if that is truly what he wants. So, I, you know, I, I assured her, and I think <laughs> I, I think I assured her um, by surprising her on a, this was, uh, Palm Sunday, um, we were going to my mom's house, and I popped the question to her. This is a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I think she finally got it then. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. He didn't hear me say yes because I was replying. So, yeah. Yeah. so I, was, I was working behind the scenes with her mom and dad and brother and trying to get this surprise down, and she was thoroughly surprised. Morris again. Uh, it's been such a long time. Well, for us doing our contracts stage, <laughs> I think where Teresa felt mistrust was when we, so we've been together for a long time. We were teenage parents. And so I was 18. She was 17 when we had our first son. He's now 22. And uh, I think the issue was whether or not I was going to stay there and be involved because growing up in a single mom household, uh, her mom and her and her, her brothers and that responsibility, she, you know, and then not having seen, you know, a lot of active men in her life, you know, like that. So she just naturally assumed that I was going to, like, run away. And I had to tell her, like, hey, look, I'm not going to subject our son to, you know, a life I didn't live. My parents were together, although at that time they weren't, like, you know, married, but they had that common law thing going on. So, you know, that's all I saw. So, for me, it was one of those situations where, you know, I had to show her, like, hey, look, I'm going to be there, you know, and that's how it's always been, so. Yeah. You gave the nice version. <laughs> <laughs> he took me by the shoulders and said, I'm not going nowhere! <laughs> and that's when I, that's how I knew he was going to stay. Uh, for me, for my husband, I seen the mistrust with the women in his family saying they're going to do something for him and never doing it. 
never coming through. He's a twin, and his twin is a girl. He's a sister, and they will always celebrate her and not him. So for me, you know, uh, I had to, when it comes to birthdays and Father's Day, I celebrate my husband because I don't want him to ever feel like, you know, that he's not celebrated. And I've seen that, you know, people not doing stuff for him. Like, what is wrong with y'all, you know? Um, his mom saying she's going to give him stuff for Christmas. You know, stuff he shared, like, I celebrate him. So that's how. <laughs> I do. Teresa. Um, this is Anthony. Um, I can't say I've seen any mistrust issues with my wife. Yeah. You sure before you passed out? It's like, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, I can't think of any either. Oh, Raina, I can't think of it. Either. <laughs> uh, Jelani. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Oh. I could change my answer. I still have the mic. No, I don't suck. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't really see any issues either. Thank God. Thank God. This is Justin. I didn't see any issues. <laughs> All right. Now. I want you to tell your own if your partner hasn't spoken of it. Tell your own issues of mistrust where you might have been. Because no, so besides this freak of nature van, <laughs> who else here is like met him and was like, this is my wife or this is my husband? Anybody else here? The day you met her? Yeah. All right. You, it's not a surprise. <laughs> I am. He refused to answer for a reason. It's like, nah. <laughs> nah, but I want y'all to give your, your skepticism. Like, what was your mistrust? What was it that you dealt with? And it's a reason why I'm, why I'm asking this. My own mistrust yes. about myself? Um, Going into the relationship. And then, <laughs> I probably was the city girl before the city girls. Um, <laughs> And a lot of self-sabotage because I hadn't seen a successful marriage or relationship. And even if the marriage had lasted, it was dysfunctional. It wasn't always the best example. So if it was feeling too good with us, I was probably trying to figure out any other way to get out of it. And I'm Chanel. Mm. I don't have anything. Your name? Oh, Joaquin. This is Kim. I don't have anything. Um, this is Van. Um, the only thing that I I want to say that I had with Miss Chosen myself was that um, how my past was when I had my past relationships. It kind of. Um, the way they ended and the way I was treated during those relationships. So this is only me having that issue. Um, but once we got together and got to know her, it made me break that and make think that's when I, like, from, just from day one I knew, but as we got to know each other more, it made me feel comfortable to know that I'm in good hands with her, with her being in my life. Mm -hmm. 
this is Taryn. Um, um, within myself that you did not mention. Oh, my walls. So in my past, I've dealt with a lot from my parents' divorce, um, my father not being there looking for love in the wrong places at a young age, doing things that you ain't supposed to be doing, um, getting pregnant earlier, and had a miscarriage, all that whole thing, right? So I had built walls up because I didn't know how to deal with my trauma, and I also didn't know how to communicate. So that was my problem, because even in my childhood with my mother, we never communicated. Like, we would write letters to each other. We couldn't actually talk physically without rah, 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 going against each other. Um, so I would say that he probably didn't speak of, because that was one of our struggles in our contract stage. It, it took me time to let him in and even to explain to him why I had those walls up, why he couldn't fully understand me or let me, or I couldn't be fully who I truly am and who I know I can be. Um, so that took time and he was patient. I, I, I do commend you on that because a lot of people ran away from me because of that. But he stuck around and he worked with me and taught me a lot of skills of how to start communicating. Um, so yeah, I would say that was one of mine that you didn't mention. I'm surprised you didn't. That was a big one. I forgot it was. Help me, I'm thinking. Uh, um, this is Jason. Um, probably, like Chanel said, not one to self-sabotage and, uh, you know, no, realizing I had something good and, you know, just didn't want to do anything stupid to uh, hurt the relationship. So just, I guess, being afraid, you know, being afraid to, to be loved and to jump out and take that step on marriage again. I guess, you know, you... You beat, you're married, you get divorced, you know, you kind of, eh, maybe, maybe I want to get married again, maybe I don't, and so I guess that was my uh, apprehensiveness, um, you know, at first to coming around to popping the question, but, you know, you, you, you learn to grow and, and love someone, and when you know that you don't want to be without them, it's easy, so... It's Teresa. Um, in our courting stages, I think for us, the mistrust was learning each other um, because we became parents so fast. So everything was about the child. Everything we did was about the child. We just didn't, we just didn't learn each other until later on. So it was a lot that I had to learn. I'm like, who are you? Not knowing that <laughs> I knew that women go through stages of change. I did not know that men do. Um, so <laughs> learning new things is like, yeah, that's something that for us or for me. <laughs> um, this is Anthony. Um, 
I would say self-sabotaging and being together for so long and then getting married and then, like, not wanting to fail at it, I guess, maybe. This is Raina. Um, I would probably say um, I was worried because I, I'm prior to Anthony, I, I was a runner. Like, if it got hard or you was looking a little questionable, um, I was out. Like, you know, I didn't even give you opportunity or ask questions. Like, it just, so, and when, like I said, Anthony and I were friends first. I actually met, I was Anthony's supervisor. And so Anthony was a wild child. So I was worried, like, Anthony's really close with a band, a go-go band, backyard. So he hangs with them, and he's like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, coming, you know, coming in the house and then coming to work or coming straight from there to, to work. And I thought, whew, um, that's a, that's a deal breaker for me. Because my mother told me, ain't nothing open that, li that lake but the 7-Eleven and legs. <laughs> so, you know, I do remember thinking, oh, God, please don't let him try me. Um, <laughs> he has potential, and I see it, but I see potential that he could try me, and I'm going to run. Um, so, no, all jokes aside, you know, just looking past that kind of stuff, and as luck would have it, he just stopped cold turkey. So, I mean, we didn't have, we've never had that issue, but I do remember thinking, you know, there was just certain things that I thought that, you know, I was just gonna be like, no. Jelani, um, yeah, for me, there was nothing. Um, Justin caught me at a great time because prior to him, I was running circles around people um, and also going through stages of mistrust from like past relationships and stuff. Um, but before I met him, I had said to myself, you know, I want to work on that stuff for me before I get into something with somebody else so I'm not putting that onto someone else. And for me personally, too, like, when I meet someone and I'm getting close with them, whether this is, like, platonic or romantic relationship, you know, I give them my trust until they give me a reason not to trust them because I feel like, you know, most of the people in my life are good people, like, majority of them are good people and none of them I gave all of them my trust in the beginning and none of them have broken that trust um, and so I really don't run around meeting people and I'm thinking off rip like oh I'm gonna mistrust you because of this like I had to do that work beforehand so I could meet new people meet uh, and make authentic relationships where I wasn't going in and moving in from like a place of ooh, can I trust you in the future are you gonna do something shysty to me I don't know so yeah, he caught me at a good time. Man, when she told me about the, the past uh, dudes and their fuck-ups, I said, damn it, that's my ass. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I think most men, when they hear that somebody they're talking to, they're, the last person that they were dealing with was doing some shysty stuff, as you say. That's an uphill battle, and you got on flip-flops. <laughs> I thank you. I thank you. Um, but... I was just concerned that um, with that being, I, well, I would consider that like past trauma for her. So it was very paramount to me that I needed to do everything to avoid put it, re-putting her in any situation that she would feel remotely close to uh, what she experienced before me because I saw potential in her too. Wouldn't you know it? You say everybody does? And so I wanted to make sure I cultivated what I saw in her, but not only what I saw in her, what I saw in us. Um, yeah. They left. <laughs> 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 All right. I do have a couple of questions. This is the last slide. If we if we make it, I do have a couple of questions for a couple of you couples. But um the covenant stage. So ride with me. We did the mistrust, distrust thing. We understood what that what those two are and my man broke down contract and a covenant, right? So marriage is the ultimate covenant. So my question here is dealing with the distrust because I don't, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. It just doesn't make logical sense to AJ that somebody would engage in a covenant with somebody because I, I hold marriage up here. I see marriage as something that is probably the most serious decision that you'll make in your life. So I don't see why somebody would engage in covenant with somebody that they distrust. And that contract stage is the time when you work out your mistrust. And if distrust existed, will you work out that thing, when you learn to forgive and move forward? So my question here is this covenant stage. For those of you that are married, how did we get to this point? And for those who, of you who aren't, how do we get to this point? And is there distrust that needs or needed to be worked out before getting to that covenant stage. Chanel, as a married person, but God. <laughs> and that, that's the, what got me here. Uh, God uh, using Joaquin to lead me because I was not equipped, I was not prepared. I didn't think about it the right way at all. I had an exit plan, like, but God. This is Joaquin. It says, 
So like the the how do we get to this point? I mean, I knew it was going to get to that point. Like I had already knew. Um is there distrust that need to be worked out? No, I'm just reading that. No, I think it's both. It's both. Yeah, it's both. I think I think I think yeah, there was distrust um that needed to be worked out, but I don't think we could have worked it out. Right? I didn't know that at first, right? But even if there was distrust, like I knew this is what God told me to do, right? So like I'm gonna go do it anyways, and we're gonna figure out how this is going how it's gonna figure out. And like I'm just gonna be honest, right? And everybody in here who who's I can say at least for marriage, you're gonna go through some stuff in your marriage. You're gonna go through it, right? And if it ain't happening, it's, it's gonna happen. And it don't have to be infidelity or whatever the case. It could be like you really hurting a person's feelings really bad, right? Like you're gonna go through something, right? The question is gonna be like, it's a covenant, so what are you going to do when you go through it, right? Especially if a person has remorse for the situation, like a godly remorse, though. Like, yeah, I, I really hurt this person, but, like, but God, I hurt you too, right? Like, help me work this, hurt, help me work this thing out. Um, and I think that's the only way you, you can actually really forgive a person, you know what I mean, is when, yeah, someone has broken your trust, right? But you are okay with that situation with God. Right. And then you like, all right, this is how it's going to be. It's just it's gonna, how it's going to be. Right. Like, I forgive you. I'm I'm not even going to bring it up because I'm, I'm forgiven and I'm healed. I'm forgiven and I'm healed. Right. And um, so, yeah. OK. T- Tom. OK. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just a matter of time. It's like, are you in it? If you in it, you in it. If you in it, you in it. You just gotta, you know, work through it, and you hope that the same person will give you the same amount of grace as that you gave them, right? Because I, what I do know in marriages is that um, generally both partners are tough, but they're tough in different areas. You know what I mean? Like they're really tough in different areas. So that's that's when the balance comes out. But like, hopefully they'll have enough grace towards you when you hurt them in certain situations that they may hurt you. I'm coming. I'm going to step back briefly for one second because I intentionally didn't share my mistrust, but now I feel like I, I have to because it goes along with this. And I'm glad you just said what you said because I want to – I know this thing, if if I let it go, it'll flow around. No, nah, we ain't had no distrust. It worked out. Everybody happy, no need to expose. And <laughs> we worked them out. But I'm going to say this. So I had some mistrust that I had to deal with because – I have, it's, it doesn't really bother me. It just put my antennas up to where there, was, there were women that I dealt with, and I'm not a weak dude at all, like in any sense of the word. I've never been, I never decided to make myself vulnerable with a woman, like expose my weaknesses or things that I'm dealing with or be emotional with a woman all my life until I was about 26 years old. And so when I was with a woman that I decided that I thought this is somebody that I'm a married that I can spend the rest of my life with. I opened myself up to being vulnerable. Just let her in a little bit. And then what happened was when she got mad, she used it against me. And so I was like, oh, okay. That's how this works. And what happened was, oh, that's how women are. They're going to get emotional. She know where to push my button. That's what she going to do. And so I made up in my mind, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give her, you know, an area to where she can tear me down. 
and it wasn't a place where it'll make me feel weak. It was more so like I can't trust her and I just can't be in a relationship with somebody that I can't trust. And so when you talk about that covenant stage, it's like a it's a deal breaker for me. I don't that's something for me, that's like worse than cheating for me. Remember you asked that you asked that question. That's something for me, for AJ, is worse than cheating. Cheating is bad. But when I can't trust you with who AJ is at the core, if I can't trust you to protect him, I just, I don't see us being a thing. And I just say this, a pastor uh, broke this down to us a long time ago. He was talking about Adam and Eve, right? And he was saying, Adam wasn't deceived. Even the scripture says Eve was deceived, Adam wasn't, right? And he said Adam, many people say Adam was right there because it said Eve turned and gave it to him. And ain't like she searched for him. And so the thing is, Adam trusted his wife, like he trusted her. Your wife isn't somebody that is subservient to you. You're supposed to be able to trust her. So she'll protect you in areas just like you protect her in areas. You cover her in areas, she covers you in areas. Adam turned and he trusted his wife. But once you broke that, it destroyed everything. Even to we're feeling the effects now. That's how I feel with that thing. Like the moment you break that level of trust in me where I can't be vulnerable with you, I, I can't see it. It's almost like an unforgivable thing for me. You know, I'm gonna forgive you, but you'll never, it's hard for you to ever get to that place with me again, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't, I don't see us being husband and wife because my, my saying is, if you did it once, you'll do it again. And I could forgive you again, but who's, one of y'all said earlier, like that trauma, you learn how to manage with it, but it still hurts. It doesn't go anywhere. You still feel that thing. And I don't know if I could live with that thing in my mind saying, man, I, I got to keep this from my wife because I know later on down the line, she might get in her feelings and might try to slay me with this. And so when I pass this mic around, that's what I'm saying. I wanted, it don't have to be something like you cheated. It was, you cheated. That's why I had this distrust. It, it could be something so slight that might mean the most to you that your partner never regarded that high or something, you know, I'm making sense? All right, cool. Yeah. This is Kim. Um, before, no, while in the covenant stage, I mistrusted him because of his daughter's mom. I shared this before that I, I believe she's gay now and engaged or whatever, but just the comments of a woman coming to a married man didn't settle with me. Like, it, it was Father's Day. And I'm like, Teresa over here, I honor my man. I shower him. Father's Day, even though I, don't, I didn't birth his child yet, I would do it big for Father's Day because he is a father. And... That situation with him and his daughter's a little rocky. We haven't spoke to her, so y'all be praying for her or whatever. We haven't spoke to her in, in some years now that she's in college. And he felt less than because of that. But I'm just like, you're still a father. It doesn't matter how your daughter is feeling. You still raised her to her full potential. That's why she's away on a full scholarship. And so he asked me not to celebrate him anymore for Father's Day. That broke me because I'm like, okay, when we have our own child, are you still going to feel this way? Like, what is this? And so that was 
in the beginning stages of our marriage, well, we still knew we were still, but whatever. Fast forward to a year later, his child's mother messaged him, happy Father's Day, baby daddy. Oh, thank you so much. The, what? She can acknowledge it, but I can't. Is it because she gave birth and I didn't? Like, what is that? And that was the mistrust because you shunned me for celebrating you, but her, you, you acknowledged it. So in that, it was the mistrust. And then when I said something about it, because we look in each other's phone, there's nothing to hide. Like, he has Amazon Prime, so that's why I'm always in his phone. But <laughs> when I saw it, it hurt because of what you said to me. And then when I called, not called him out on it, when I brought it to his attention on how it made me feel, he like shut me down and protected her. Oh, she not like that. She don't mean anything by it. I am her baby daddy. Like, and I made it like this, like, okay, so can I call my ex or message my ex and say happy Father's Day to him? Cause he is a father. And this word cut me to the core. He was like, what well, did you make him? a father, and you all don't know me, but I'm going through PCOS, and it's difficult, and then I have cancerous cells on my uterus, and all these things that just, the devil is thinking it's gonna win, but it's not, it has no victory, because we will give a birth, we will concede. It cut me though, because like, how can you say that to me, and I'm your wife? But we, we worked it out. We had to go to counseling because of that, because he doesn't know how severe that is for a woman. Like it says in the Bible, you, you uh, what is it? Um, be fruitful and multiply. So as me, me back then, I felt like I was less than because I can't multiply right now. And he had to understand that. And now that he does understand it, I believe we are in a better place of the covenant stage. We are still covered in the love and graces and we work through it. I, I can say we definitely work through it. Amen. That's a blessing. This is fine. Um, so when my, when my wife says that she celebrates, she just doesn't have a say happy Father's Day. She'll wake up, I'll have clothes, I'll have an outfit, I'll have a happy Father's Day balloons all over the house. So I didn't take, when, she, when my daughter's mom said, I never said that you couldn't tell me happy Father's Day. I didn't want to be celebrated in the way that she would do it. Because I didn't feel, like, like she said, I didn't feel as though at that point, because I haven't seen my daughter, it'll be five years in July. So during that point, I felt as though like, do I still should be celebrated as a father? So that's where it, it hurt me to a point, but I understand, it, it wasn't to a point that I didn't understand where she was coming from. It was just more so of just knowing that, and like I said, it once it goes again back to my biological father. Have I turned into him? Like it made me feel like, am I him? Is, am I being him all over again? So it made me feel less than because now I feel like I'm failing as a man, as a father, because I'm not there for my child. So it made me feel a little different in that moment. So when she said, like, 
I didn't I didn't take it as she took it when it came to my daughter's mom texting me Happy Father's Day. I took it as she just saying Happy Father's Day. That's all I took it as. I didn't take it as she's celebrating me. She's she's not coming over here. She's not shouting me out on Facebook. She's not giving me the whole party or the she balloons. She did not. Oh my goodness, Grace. But. <laughs> my my thing is when it like when it comes to when it comes to and for for when my for the thing is that she would she wouldn't notice me and my daughter's mom has always been at odds our whole time raising our daughter my daughter turned 16 that was the first time me and her actually had a talking relationship so we can sit down in one room and have a conversation to where my daughter didn't have to hear us screaming and yelling at each other. So for us to be able to say Happy Mother's Day, Happy Father's Day to each other, that was big. That was a huge step from 16 years of us not being able to be on the same page because we actually always were at odds with each other. Oh. <laughs> uh, but it was just, it was just like, and when she came in, I didn't like I said from. For me going at the way I went, I didn't mean it to come out the way it did. It was just the way that I know that how our relationship was and to a point that we can actually get to a point to say, have a good work, have a good conversation and not yelling and screaming and cussing at each other. So for us to be in that spot and then for Kim to say, well, how could this, 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 and this, I took it to another level. And we got through it, we apologized, and we got through that stage. And it just got to a point to where, like, now I actually don't have that communication because my daughter's not here, so we don't have that communication at all. So it's just to a point where I had to realize where my wife was coming from versus me thinking for myself. So when that when I put when I put her in that conversation and took it from her perspective, I understood more why she felt the way she felt. And from that point on, she's always asked, Am I can I celebrate you now? Can I can I do this? Can I do that? But it's just to a point like with me, like and I've talked to Dara about it at the barbershop. It's literally to a point I look at my, I look at me as my as my as my biological father. I don't want to turn into him. So it made me feel as though it made me feel as though that I was turning into who I didn't want to become. So that's why those situations arose when we got escalated and I was defending. It was not to hurt her. It was to just show that the relationship got better over time. You know what I'm saying? But for us now to get to the point that we got to, it took God and communication. Like it just literally took a lot of a lot of God and a, a whole lot of communication. So we we always we way in a better space now to the point where we can we just communicate. That's that's our main thing. You have a problem, talk about it. Communicate. Let me know what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's how our trust has gotten to a point where it's a solid foundation to where we can close our eyes and know that we're gonna be able to have each other's back. Mm -hmm. Um, this is Jason. Um, we didn't, ha I didn't have any distrust or mistrust or anything that needed to be worked on. Uh, well, I'm sorry. 
other than what you said earlier. Um, but other other than that, I don't I don't have anything. Um, we're good. We we always will be. I, I got past the you know who they blowing your phone up stage. So we're we're way beyond that. Is you know no issues. So how did we get to this point? For Morris and I, um, I was 20 years old, and I, we had a child, and he was already three years old. And so going to church and being in church, we always got, it's better to marry than to burn. It's better to marry than to burn. You better get married and burn. We always thought you're going to go to hell if you don't get married. So we got married. And it, we were so young. And we were parents at the time. Like, we were, the thing about us being parents, like, that's something we talked about. We were having sex. We were going to talk about being a parent, um, being parents and everything, like, or co-parenting. I thought he was going to run away. You know, I realized he was going to stay. But we always say, like, we all, we got married for the wrong reasons. We did. We were young. We better than murdering to burn. We're in the church. Um, but we always said that we stayed together for all the right reasons. And that's, that's just our, I don't know why you ain't want to say that. That is our story, how, how we, we got to the point. And it, and it was like being in high school, I was like, he's older, he's cute, I'm going to chase after him. He was always shy. He would throw his food away at lunchtime and run away from me. And then one time I said, are you going to give me your number? <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. Like, I was... <laughs> I was aggressive, um, and then I and then we dated. Then I didn't want him no more. And then he told me, <laughs> he kept telling me, "You're going to be my wife." And I was like, "Nigga, please, not me." Uh, but he kept saying that you're going to be my wife. You're going to be the mother of all my kids. He always said it. That's one thing I can't say that. Like, lured me to say, okay, this is the one. Because I didn't get that. I didn't get, I, I don't know what men get from God. It's just, I don't know what it is. But something that men get from God, like, y'all know this is the one. So I was waiting for the bells and whistles, like, oh, I never got it. I always trusted that God and him speaking to him, saying that I was the one. And so that's how we, you know, it stayed married. But in the beginning, it was, it wasn't. Like we didn't go to marriage counseling. You know how people, uh, what is it, before you get married? you We didn't do none of that. We went to our pastor. You know, he told the pastor, we want to get married. We went. He was like, y'all not ready. Then months later, he was like, okay, y'all ready. And that's how we got married. <laughs> that's our story. So learning so much, and I did write down some notes. Like we had to learn that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's in your marriage. You got to learn that thing. Um, people say well, sticks and stones may break your bones. Words never hurt. Words hurt. Yes, they Words hurt. And oh, another thing people will say, well, time heals all wounds. It's not true. You got to talk. You got to have communication in your marriage. You got to talk. And so that's one thing I said that was God first in our marriage and just talking, knowing what destroys marriage. Because people don't know what destroys your marriage. Lack of communication destroys your marriage. Lack of 
Not having enough intimacy destroys your marriage. Not having communication about finances, that can destroy your marriage. Once you learn these things and like, okay, we're not going to do this. We're not going to go down that road. And so that's, that's what helped us. Learning, because we're still learning. You're still learning. You're still, we're about to be 20 years and we're still learning. But it's fun learning with my husband. <laughs> Um, I would say between Anthony and I, I think I, it, I would just reiterate what I said before. Um, Anthony was a wild child, and men look at things differently than women. Totally, totally different. I don't care if it's in their face. We could see the same thing. We'd be in the same situation, same room. They saw something totally different. And one thing um, that I remember was something that we really had to get over was Anthony had a female best friend who, and I've never been in situations where I had to, where I'm going to sit and worry about another woman. That's when I'm running. Like, I, I don't have time for that. Um, I have anxiety about stuff that's never going to happen in the world. I don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. I am also big on respecting other women and women respecting women in relationships. So I say all that to say, I came in like, you know, hey, who's the best friend? But I also learned that this best friend didn't have boundaries, which has been the downfall in his past relationships. And my worry was, I'm not that girl. I'm cut from a different cloth. So what she allowed, I'm not going to allow. Um, and she is going to respect me, or you're going to have to make a decision. Um, and I'm also big on I'm not getting ready to let another woman see me sweat. I'm not getting ready to argue with you about no man, and I'm not about to question you about somebody that I'm sleeping with every night. So that's his responsibility. That's his friend. It took him a while, oh my God, it took him a while to see how sabotaging she could be. Um, just trying to be funny. Um, and at that time in my life, <laughs> I was a different, this is before we were married, getting, you know, in the contract. That time in my life, you know, while you think you're being funny, I'm the person who just takes it way too far. <laughs> you know, somebody'd be like, you know, we was here. How did you get all the way over? This is why I, I do not play because I will take it way too far. Um, and <laughs> I remember, you know, a situation that finally he had to say, like, this girl is crazy. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead. And I understood why he felt indebted to her, um, because she had helped him while he was in college. And it was, it was a group of guys, his friends, who all felt indebted to her. Um, and... You know, it was at that particular moment where she tried her last hand and he had to make that decision. Like, this is just way too much pressure for me. Like, this girl is crazy. Um, and not even like just crazy out in the street, rah, 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 just, you know, calm, but I made a point. Um, I thought we would never get past that hurdle because it, you have to realize she's been there for like ever. 
she's been with him through different relationships and she's been able to do whatever she wanted. And that's how it looked at the beginning um, until he just opened his eyes and realized like, yeah, I do have to cut you because you are like, you're not a threat, you're just messy. Mm -hmm. And uh, this potentially could be messy because I was the one, when you go, I go lower, like lower, <laughs> like lower. So once he was able to realize that, he was able to be more open to having commu communication about how it looks on my side, my side of the street. Um, while you may know her for years, I don't know her. So these little funny things, you know, I, women look at that like, oh, for real? Oh, okay. Um, so we were able to get past that. And like, I think the biggest thing was just communication, period, and learning our communication styles, too. Um, I think that we both can be hotheads. Oh, coming in, we both could be hotheads. It, it was more about getting a point across, not listening just getting a point across. And learning our communication styles by, we did go to premarital counseling. Um, it was required. I passed it with Marius unless we did. But um, I want to say that was a, the biggest time that we learned our communication styles um, and learned while I said this, he heard this. And learning how to get him to hear exactly what I'm saying, whether that is my tone or my timing. So I would say that is the distrust that we had to get over and that's how we worked it out. Jelani, Raina just said my whole spiel, so I'ma just pass the mic. Praise, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> No need to harp on Smart man. All right. That's, I do have a couple questions. I do want to say something with um, Van and Kim. I think that's something we're going to like really unpack because I feel like that's something that's going to help people in the future, people that hear this. What I heard, what you were saying, Van, was y'all both had insecurities that was worn with each other. And that's nothing but the enemy. Yours was the, um, how you probably didn't feel worthy as a father. And hers was her situation with not being able to cater to you in that because she wasn't the one that made you a father. And both of y'all were defensive against each other, not noticing that that's what was, what was happening. And bless God that you passed it down. But I do feel like that might be something that a lot of people deal with. Not that same situation, but I'm going against you defending my insecurities and you're doing the same, but we can't get on an even kill. We can't get on the same page because both of us have a wall up. Like we're not fighting the same fight, Yeah, if that makes sense. But I had a question for you, two questions actually. I had one question for you and a question for both of y'all. Um, well, I'll deal with the man first. Jason, because you said, I want to know what it was that made you not want to, because this is what you said out your mouth, like, you know, I love you, and there's nobody else that I want to be with, 
But basically, you can't rush a man into a, a situ, situation. So I just want to know, what was it that at that time made you not want to, I don't want to say not want to commit to a relationship, but what was it? Because it might have been something that you might have been dealing with personally. I don't know. But what was it that made you not want to be right there with her at that time? And my question for the both of you is, because I know I heard you mention y'all have blended families. And so one thing that I've experienced, like I'm not going to say this is every woman, but one thing I've experienced with, because I dealt with, what, three or four different women that had children. And from my experiences with women, like children come first, period. That's just been my experience. And there's been issues with me and, and I know a, quite a few other men that had issues with the woman they're dealing with because of the child. Like, for some reason, the child might come in between, whether it's discipline, whether it's time, whatever it is. <laughs> well, that, that makes it. All right, so, so look, so that's, so that's something else. No, because that's a real thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a real thing because people have different parenting styles. You, you don't even know that you're going to have this issue until you already became a parent. So just imagine how elevated it is when it isn't your child. So my question is, how did y'all build that trust, you know, to deal with each other's children? Or was it, maybe it was never an issue or anything, but just blending those families, like how did y'all deal with that? How did y'all get to that point? Yeah, yeah, you answer your question first. Um, so this is Jason. Um, it's not like I didn't want to be with her. Um, we, were, we were together every day. Um, we saw each other every day. We spent, you know, all our free time together. Um, I just think, like I said, we, we, we started off friends with benefits um, at first. And so I think from there, she just needed affirmation to say, hey, okay, we're past this now. We're, we're no longer friends with benefits. You know, I want you to be my man. Although we weren't, you know, we weren't seeing anybody else or anything like that. I think she just needed uh, that confirmation from me say, hey, okay, we're past this stage now. We're, we're leveling up. Um, would, would that be an accurate assumption? It would, and I just didn't want my time wasted no more. Gotcha. Like, I just needed to know gotcha. like, where you were, because in my mind, oh. I'm sorry, this is Terrence. So in my mind, I really thought you was playing games, boo, like, mm. for real. I didn't know if you was in it or not in it. I just... Didn't know. So I did apply some pressure because not only are you involved in my life, that means you're going to be involved in my child's life. And my son has already had a father that's not even there who dips in and out, comes around six months, goes ghost for two years. So I don't want him, and he's already has those abandonment issues, and I refuse as a mother to put him in that situation. So I needed to know where are we moving before... I even say, hey, all right, what's going on? But that's why I was applying the pressure because I need to, am I wasting my time? Because I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to keep it moving. Like, this is me. <laughs> Sorry. But, um, yeah. But I think with 
Jason, not to speak for you, I think, I think it was a fear because you were divorced and you were single for a minute and you did have some trauma with some of your past relationships as we have communicated with of how women have treated you or mistreated you or took advantage of you. So I think you went in predicting that that might be the case and why we probably started off with friends with benefits instead of the other way. Am I making sense with that with you? Okay. Okay, and then the other question was the blended family. How much time we got? <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Um, so I have a son, and he has a set of twin girls. So my son is nine, and his girls are 13. So you see that age gap there. Um, and then I don't have the baby daddy drama. Like, he goes. I, I know he's still living. That's all I know. Um, but the ex-wife was um, one of the issues when we decided to, you know, move in and make, you know, move along with our process and our life, with our relationship. Um, and that is still a struggle to this day. Um, it's, it's rough. I'm not going to say it's easy. It is rough. You will have your ups and downs, and that devil will definitely come and attack. And when it attacks, it come hard. Like, you think it's, like, raining fire. Um, but the thing that Jason and I have built is this communication. And he is really um, strong on we not going to bed being mad at each other. We not going to bed not talking about how you feel. So because he's learned to understand my body language and the same vice versa with him, he knows my love languages and I know his. He knows when something is bothering me the same way that I know something is bothering him. So before we go to bed, we have that pillow talk, and we talk it out. Because I've agreed coming into this covenant with him, we're not going to go to bed mad. I used to. But with him, nah. We're going to make it work. Um, but now, a blended family, it, it takes time. Because, you know, kids are kids. And, you know, my son has ADHD, so his emotions and his hypertension is, it's a lot. And I know with the girls, they think he's moody or bipolar, but that's just who he is. And I don't think they have adapted to understand who he is yet. So we're still in that process of the kids understanding each other, understanding how to communicate with each other, understand each other's body languages, how to talk to each other correctly versus then not talking at all. So, did I get that on point? You got anything else to say? Uh, yeah. Were there any, did you have anything else? Did it cause anything between you two? With the, you know, with the, with the blended family? The blended family? Yeah, the kids, yeah. It did in the beginning. Yeah. It did in the beginning. I stormed out. We would have arguments to the point that I'm yelling at the top of my lungs, packing up my child, and we rolling out the house because of the fact that he didn't see my side of what I was trying to share with him of whatever that situation was or that problem was. And that was one of our problems in the beginning, I could say. He would only see his side, but he wouldn't see my side. But I was always able to see both sides and to understand.
but I think maybe because it was just him and his daughters for so long, he just had that wall of like, it's just me and my girls. It's the same way when he came into the picture, I had to let that wall down and let him take control and be the man in my son's life. And he could tell you, it was a fight. I didn't include him in no IEP meetings for the, for the longest time. Didn't allow him to come over, didn't do anything because I didn't know if you knew how to handle my child. Because most men would run away because they didn't know how to handle him. But it took time. Um, but yeah, we definitely had our ups and downs of arguments, fights. A lot. In the very beginning, like when we first moved in. He don't fight. Okay, so not fights, just arguments. And I would be at the top of my lungs, like just yelling because I'm an emotional person. So when I am here, I'm here. Ain't no coming down until I walk away. Like I am, he's learning that I have to walk away and remove myself for the whole entire situation. It could be the atmosphere, it can be the environment. I have to literally pull myself away to think about what happened, reevaluate, think about it, what I could have, should have done, should have done, and then come back and then eventually have a conversation in a calmly manner, in a calmly tone with him to let him know this is actually how I felt. Those words that I said, I shouldn't have said it in that way. My delivery was piss poor. But know that I am wrong and I apologize. And we've had those conversations because I'm a high head. And I still am to some degree because I'm a fight for mine. Just like I'm a fight for my kids. Ain't no one gonna come in between us. So if you come, please trust to believe. I'm coming for you too. So, yeah. Did I answer it all? All right. <laughs> yeah, what I heard you say is he built your trust to be able to deal and care for your son. You said most men didn't know how to. Yeah. I guess they would run. And you said you didn't even include him in the meetings and everything. So I think just making that move, including him in the meetings, you're trusting him to make decisions, you know, for your child or go to bat for your child. So that's big. Um, anybody else? He said she asked him, I'm talking to the mic so the people could. He said she asked him, was he going to run because of her son? And needless to say, he stood. All right, so does anybody else have anything else before we close out? All right, so that's what you, what did you hear me say? Trust, cultivating trust. And uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, beautiful black people.